Thank you, Dustin. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to James chapter 3 or just pull out your sermon insert, which should be inside your worship booklet there. We are looking at James 3, verses 13 through 18. And as you turn there and get prepared, uh, just a couple of announcements. These announcements are all in your worship booklets on page 14. It's in the bundle. We're putting that in the back of the worship booklet now. Um, Just to to mark your calendars for Sunday, June 11th, Um, that is a Sunday evening from 5 to 7, we will be in this room for what we could call a congregational meeting or a a ministry update night. Uh, We did this last year. It was pretty well attended. You guys enjoyed it. We just highlight all the things that we're doing. So as New City grows, as we have two services, and you're like, who's that second service? Who's that first service? And trying to learn what all the things we are doing as a church, this is a great time for that for both services to be together in one room and to hear about all the ministries that are going on at New City. We are going to do a pitch in at the beginning of that. So like think finger foods, appetizers, something you had to work on a little bit here. So like, but not too hard. So bags of chips do not not count unless they are like vital to your dish. Uh, But think appetizers, finger foods, those types of things. And we'll do... um, um, some fun time. New City will provide the tableware, water bottles, and all that good stuff. There are, is no child care, just like last year. So bring a blanket. You can even throw a blanket in the back of the room, do a little picnic with your family if you've got little ones, uh, but we'll just make it work. Um, so yeah, that's coming up June 11th from 5 to 7 p.m. Second thing there is the third announcement, women's treat and fire. Um, that is coming up. So you guys are meeting at Mindy Pearson's house from 6.30 to 9. The address is there. Um, there's no need to RSVP. The date is not in that announcement, but if you jump down to the upcoming events, the date is there, and that is correct. Okay, so just put those two together. June 16th, Women's Treat and Fire. Okay, we good with that? All right, I think I'm excited about this morning, this text, Um, but I'm also feeling my inadequacy, so Let's, um, let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm just gonna read these verses, James 3, 13 through 18, and then I'm gonna ask for the Lord's help this morning as we navigate what he might have for us. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Lord God, you are kind and you give your wisdom from above. I pray that you would Help me present this truth and what I have prepared so your people can be edified. Challenge the prideful. Lift up the discouraged. 
and stir us all up to love and good deeds for your glory, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, there is an easy to pass over section early in J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, the, the book one, The Fellowship of the Ring. The movie hits it a little bit, but it's easier to pass over in the book if you're not careful. Frodo, the, the hobbit hero, is, is wrestling with why he must take the evil ring of power to Mordor. Why me? This seems like a big deal, and I've just grown up in the Shire, and I know nothing else, and here I am being told I have to traverse the, the world, basically, into the depths of darkness and destroy the ring. Why am I chosen? And Frodo says this, I do really wish to destroy the ring, or, well, to have it destroyed, but I am not made for perilous quests. I wish I'd never seen the ring. Why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? So looking at his friend, the very wise and powerful Gandalf, he says, you, Gandalf, you, you're wise and powerful. Will you take the ring? Remember the scene? In the movie, Gandalf reacts visibly. But let me show you what he does in the book. No, cried Gandalf, springing to his feet. With that power, I should have power too great and terrible. And over me, the ring would gain a power still greater and more deadly. His eyes flashed, and his face was lit as by a fire within. Do not tempt me, for I do not wish to become like the dark Lord himself, yet the way of the ring to my heart is by pity pity for weakness and the desire of strength to do good, but do not tempt me. I dare not take it, not even to keep it safe, unused. Gandalf, as Frodo did correctly observe, is indeed wise, understanding, powerful. And yet, the way Gandalf exercises the wisdom here looks a little weird. Why not take the most powerful thing in the universe, and use it? Why not become powerful? Why is he using this wisdom, but the wisdom is appearing to be weakness, passing over greater power and greater strength? As you read the story, and you likely know this, there are even other characters who reject Gandalf's wisdom. Yeah, let's take the ring. Let's fight darkness with the ring and hopefully we won't become like the darkness even sounds silly as I'm saying it out loud Boromir will certainly be a case study in this type of thinking but that's not true wisdom you see in Tolkien's Middle Earth there are two paths two ways to power if you will two wisdoms that the characters must choose between there is a way of overt power conquer it Take the ring, use it, subdue the enemy. Or, there is another way. To use James's words, we could say it's a way of wisdom. It's a, it's a way of upside down power. It's a way that actually doesn't seek power. It's the way of wisdom, and it is a better way. Our world and your scenarios, your life, appears strikingly similar to that of Middle-earth. 
if you knew it or not. There are two paths before you. Two wisdoms, to use James 3, verses 13 through 18, and you must decide between them. Climb, 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 power, grind, go, keep going, hard, let's go, or another way. And like the characters of Lord of the Rings, James is urging us to choose, and specifically he's, he's calling us to embody a different type of wisdom, a different type of being in this world. You should see in big red at the top of your sermon insert what I think James is going to push us toward this morning, and that is that God's people are to pursue, to know, and to embody God's wisdom which comes from above. Okay, pretty simple as we explore this, but I think it's going to really press some of our presuppositions and what the world might be whispering in our ears. So I'm gonna walk us through this passage and then I've got a few closing applications or suggestions on what this t- type of lit life might look like with you. What does it look like to pursue this wisdom? So the first thing I want you to see in verse 13 is that those who are truly wise will reflect God in the way they live their lives. Okay? Maybe you're asking the, the question that James starts with. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? If I were to throw out the question, would anyone be bold enough to raise their hand? You should. If you know Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. As James, when he often asks a question, he's not asking a question, he's making a statement. Those who are indeed wise and understanding among you, prove it. Show it. Display it. And what does he say? He goes on to say, by his or her good conduct. Show your wisdom and show your understanding by your good conduct. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. This is a clear reference back Remember that a couple weeks ago, Roger preached James chapter 2, verses 14 and following. When I say the book of James, you probably think of that paragraph. Faith without works is, yeah. This sounds extremely similar to that. Faith without works is dead. True faith produces good works. We're not saved by works, but by faith alone. However, the faith that does save us is never alone, but bears good fruit. In like manner, just a few sentences away, James is now saying, and it's the same with wisdom. If you know the Lord Jesus, you've received a wisdom from another place, a wisdom from above, and your life will prove it. And the way you take Christ into every sphere of life, that's the wise and understanding among you. Those who have God's wisdom from above live lives of genuine faith, And these lives of genuine faith are lives of wisdom, James is saying. And it's proved in the way we live. Again, as an aside here, I gotta make this very clear, I'm not talking perfection. I'm not talking about always perfectly embodying this wisdom. But we are talking about genuinely. Knowing Jesus and applying your relationship with Jesus in all areas and facets of your life. Now here's where we face a little difficulty from the outset. When discussing wisdom. I think our difficulty is that we speak of wisdom 
in a number of different ways, even and maybe especially in the church. We can, say, we can speak of, of someone like most basically, wow, that person's really wise. That usually just means they said something that resonated with you. Wow, that's wisdom. Could even be those corny old school like uh, posters that are in your dentist office or maybe around your elementary school. The big like nature scene, it's just like courage. <laughs> Perseverance, wow, that's wise. Persevere like that mountain somehow. We can think of, uh, it could be a genre, biblical wisdom. When I say the genre of biblical wisdom, what do you think of? Proverbs, yeah, Job, some of the Psalms. There's a whole category of wisdom literature. Other places in the scriptures, there is a certain and clear connection, and I'm going to make application at the, at our, at the conclusion today with this book. This is called wisdom from God, and we can sometimes speak of, of this being where we find wisdom. Absolutely true. There can be a, a combination of the word wisdom with the scriptures. We can also say, I need wisdom. I've got a uh, job offer here, but I like this job, and there's two great roads. I need wisdom, right? Many of you have probably been there. Choosing a spouse, your job, where you go to college or go to the workforce, some of these big ones. Should I buy that house? These are big life decisions, and I'll bet you when you are facing the decisions, you said, I need wisdom. Lord, help me. I need your wisdom. I've already given you five ways we speak about wisdom, and the, the best one, which I, I, I presented in our uh, declaration of pardon earlier in our worship service together is Jesus himself is called wisdom, the wisdom of God from above. Same verbiage. So what's James getting at? General basic wisdom? Wow, that's a really smart thing you said there. Is he talking about the genre of wisdom literature and being precise in our execution of all the Proverbs? Is he talking about the scriptures is he talking about the plea that we often have in our hearts? I need wisdom, Lord. Give me your wisdom. Or is he talking about Jesus? Yes. James is going just like he did in faith and works section. Just like he did in chapter one. He's doing it here. He's going for a holistic approach. Christians are to be marked as a life of faith, which produces good works, chapter two. We are a people, though, that are marked by God's wisdom in all areas of our life. And pause before I define this wisdom. Remember this important contextual piece for James. James is writing in the first century. Greek culture is still very pervasive there, even though the, uh, the Romans have taken over. So Greek, Roman cultures in the first century. Wisdom is a big deal. Think Plato. Socrates, Aristotle, especially in the Greek world, philosophy, wisdom, the pursuit of knowledge and understanding and how the world works and debates in rhetoric. Wisdom is huge. I think probably more so even in, than in our day and age. It is the ultimate question. What is the wise decision in this? Where does wisdom come from? How do I grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? And yet, why I love this passage, why, why James 3, verses 13 through 18 has been so great this week, is that James, just like our picture, is going to be like, nope. 
There's a way in this world, just like these, the fish in our logo here, the whole world is just streaming along this way. It's in the air we breathe. It is the water we swim in. Of course, this makes sense. This is what everybody's doing. This is what wisdom is. And James is going to dramatically part ways with the, the wisdom of both the Roman culture and the Greeks. He's going to say, uh-uh, and I hope to show you that. Because wisdom for James, here you go, is a knowledge of and relationship with God lived out. The wisdom of James, the genre of Proverbs and Job and the Psalms, Jesus, the wisdom of God. When the scriptures speak of wisdom, and especially when James is speaking of it here, Wisdom is a knowledge of and relationship with the Lord lived out. It's knowing about God and his truth, but specifically knowing him personally and living in light of that. And it's always been that way for God's people. The Proverbs has this repeated refrain, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Actually, just let that sink in. There is no wisdom where someone does not fear the God of the Bible. Think about how radical of a statement that just was. Verse 13 is going to give us more, though. What does this wisdom look like? We're supposed to show it in our good conduct, but what kind of good conduct? Look at the end of verse 13. In the meekness of wisdom. In the meekness of wisdom. If you were in a different translation, it might read gentle or gentleness or humility that's the same word in the meekness or my favorite as one commentator writes this is a self-subduing gentleness meekness it's power under control it's strength and skill but reserved it is self-subduing gentleness the wise and understanding among James Day and the wise and understanding maybe in this room will be, should be, are marked by humility. Gentleness. The life of God's wisdom, which again is knowledge of and a relationship with him lived out, is displayed in our lives by our lives being marked by gentleness, humility, and meekness. My application, friends, at this point is pretty simple. Are you? The friends that you know best, the ones that you've let in closest, they're like, that one is marked by gentleness. We may disagree. We may be on different sides of the political spectrum. We might think very differently about a lot of things, but I can tell you one thing, that guy, that gal is gentle with me. That is a humble man or a humble woman. Friends, if not, we're missing God's wisdom. Another just striking comment that the Lord gives us in the New Testament. The Lord opposes the proud. But gives grace to the humble. If not marked with this gentleness, this meekness, this humility, 
By definition, you're going to be towing the line of pride and arrogance, and the Lord might be found opposing you. And all of this makes complete sense, though. As I've been, I've been laying this out, I hope this makes sense. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say mortifying pride in your life is easy. I didn't say resisting arrogance and your natural pull towards living for me, myself, and I would be easy. But I said it makes sense. Because wouldn't it make sense that Jesus' people are known for their gentleness and known for their meekness because Jesus was? Jesus is marked by that humility, Philippians 2, gentleness, Matthew 11, and his meekness, everything he did. You know the phrase, the verse, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Jesus' words and his invitation to you right now, just like it was in the first day you became a Christian, it is his invitation to you right now, come to me. All who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Friends, we're called to embody a wisdom from above, a wisdom from God, and that wisdom is marked by meekness or gentleness. Because the one who gives that wisdom from above is the gentle one, the lowly one, the humble one. Yes, he's the king of the universe. Yes, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, but his heart towards his people is one of gentleness. And James is just calling us to be like our Savior, not perfectly, but genuinely. And there are a myriad of earthly examples, friends, that fight against this reality. Maybe you were even experiencing some of them as I said this. The easy ones I've already hit on would be pride. A lot of this room is filled with men and women who are prideful. I'm one of them. It is a natural bent of the human heart. It still rears its head if we're not careful. Pride, arrogance, being boastful. I think there's even more sneaky, what we might call Christian ways though of not embodying this wisdom from God. Here's one of them. I'm just after justice. I'm after righteousness. So you railroad people, you're prideful, and you cancel the ones not like you. Good work. Or... I just care about the truth. I care about right thinking and and right doctrine. We've got to think right and have all the right theology. I've read every catechism and confession that's alive. So you have no place for genuine Christians in another tradition or who might be thinking differently or come from different stripes and backgrounds. Good work. That's what James is going to call the wisdom from below. Doctor, PhD, professor of something something says this. And whatever that this is, isn't found in scripture or aligning with God's heart, that's, that ain't it. My favorite one. I get this with my kids a lot. I'm just like this. I'm loud, I'm confident, I'm an extrovert, so I'm just like this. And your life is marked by everything except gentleness, humility, and meekness. 
It's not the wisdom that God gives. Friends, the wisdom of God, the wisdom which comes down from above, is marked by humility and gentleness. Let us ask the Lord for help as we seek to follow our Savior who is gentle and meek and in control. This leads to my second point, which I've already hinted at a little bit. Verses 14 through 16 tell us that, yes, there is a wisdom from God, a wisdom from above, but there's also another wisdom. There's a false wisdom. I'm going to reference it as a false wisdom or or wisdom of this world. I'm meaning the same thing. And James is going to say some pretty strong words about wisdom of our day and of our culture that does not come from the scriptures or align with God's heart. That's the wisdom from above. There's a different one. And James says it is self-focused. And friends, it's dangerous. A wisdom that is not knowing God, having a relationship with God, and then living it out in all the areas of our life is a wisdom from down here. And it's dangerous. It's a false wisdom. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. Do not be false to the truth. That, this, is not a wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. James is saying that any wisdom that is not found in God's word or aligns with God's nature is from earth. It's not from above. Now, as an aside, this does not mean that there can't be common grace wisdom in our world. There are PhDs, there are doctors, there are people doing stuff in outer space and with our bodies and and solving things and, and curing of things that do not know Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. There can be a certain amount of wisdom that our world comes up with. But don't be mistaken. Those wisdoms are only good in that they happen to reflect God and his nature and his heart. So where something in our world does indeed cross the biblical story in a good way, they overlap. We want to affirm that. Good. Yes. And where it departs, which it always will, if it doesn't know Jesus, we say, "Uh uh-uh, not going there. We're We're the fish. No, I know everybody's swimming this way. I know everybody thinks this way, and everybody defines that this way. I can't. I'm not going there. We can't go there. I'm getting wisdom from a different place. Friends, this is simply all of our isms, ologies, and theories of our day and age. Name one in your own mind, an ism, an ology, or something theory. We affirm where it does align with the biblical story and say amen. You happen to get it on that one. And then which it will, it always does, depart from the biblical narrative, we say I'm not going any further than that. That is a wisdom of this earth. James is, I wrote in my notes, implies, it's, it's actually explicitly saying that one cannot be truly wise apart from knowing Jesus and receiving the wisdom that only comes from the hand of God. This false wisdom is marked by two things, he says, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Now these words are closely related. They're both power words, which is why I started with Gandalf and power, and the idea of two wisdoms laid out before us. Both of these words are connected to political jockeying, climbing the ladder, more 
power going and climbing more up. Let's go. The first word there, jealousy, is literally just zealous or zealousness. It can be neutral and even good. It's used of our Lord when he goes into the temple and overturns the tables. But partnered with that adjective, bitter, gives the clear negative connotation that the worldly wisdom, the wisdoms of this world are marked in this. They're a wisdom that's quick on the draw. Moves toward fighting and division. It speaks quickly. It is sharp and harsh. It's concerned with the most important person in the universe, me. And me getting one more rung up the ladder. Me getting one more promotion. Me getting one more dollar. Me getting one more piece of recognition. You could say it is the opposite of how James started the letter. Brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This characteristic is not those things. It is loud, it is slow to hear, it is very quick to speak and very quick to have an opinion, and it's marked by outrage. And outrage does not accomplish the righteousness of God. The second word, though, it's not only just bitter jealousy, it's selfish ambition. This is the word most closely connected with political power. It's made some people think that, that he's even talking about or targeting like the, the leaders of his day and age, those who are jockeying and, and playing the political games, making clicks to accomplish your own ends, being divisive to accomplish your own desires. It's certainly the opposite of putting the interests of others before yourself. It is not counting others as more significant than yourself, Philippians 2, 4. Just climb the ladder, grind, go, work. That's a false wisdom. A false wisdom, it's a wisdom of our world, and here's what is wild, friends. Do, do you see what James calls those wisdoms? Look at the end of verse 15. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Any wisdom mar not marked by faith in Christ, chapter 2, is not a wisdom that comes from above. So any wisdom that doesn't come from above, which is always marked by meekness, any of those wisdoms are earthly, unspiritual, demonic? Yes. Because they don't begin with the fundamental presupposition of knowing Jesus and living Jesus out even if they are good in some spots and happen to overlap the biblical story. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. They're going to a different place and they started in a different place, so how couldn't they be? Even if they've got some nuggets of good. I know that's challenging. The word earthly just means of this world. It's a wisdom of this world. Unspiritual means not of the spirit. The New Testament calls that the flesh. It's devoid of spirit and demonic, or your older translations might say devilish. It's of the enemy. Even if it has some semblance of good. So did you hear that? Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It's of the world, the flesh, the devil. But 
more on that next Sunday, actually, because this is a, a hinge passage that is then going to propel us into what does worldliness look like and why God's people shouldn't be marked by worldliness. That's chapter 4, 1 and following, which we'll study next week. But I just want to pause for a second. Everybody take a deep breath. There are so many examples of worldly wisdom. And a part of me wanted to list them out, even ones that I kind of like in some ways, but I didn't want to do that. I'm, I want to stay in principle area and just show you a few, few ways in which, if we're not careful, we're just going to keep swimming with the whole world around us and not branch off like our graphic says. The wisdom of this world might look like this. You do you. If you are in high school or college right now, that's what's being said. Your truth is good for you. I've got my truth. You do you. I'll do my thing. Let's roll. That's demonic. It could look like radical individualism. Friends, ever since the Enlightenment, we, have, we are still, even though in the church, still dominated by the thought of me. Do I like this place or that place? Do I want to wear this or that? Do I like this church or that? Do I like the music of this one or that? Our whole world and our, all of our lives, if we're not careful, are driven by a radical individualism. Just listen to it in our world. Everybody cares about your own free choice, what you can do, and what you should do and be able to do. Demonic. My body, my choice. I can sleep with whomever I please. Pride, power, and outrage, which I've already kind of hit on. Friends, if you actually just twist those, our world likes those things. Pride, which means confidence and, you know, you're, you're, you're a strong person. Power, keep going for it. Outrage, you have to be outraged about this or that thing going on. And if you're not, you're complicit in it. Demonic. Partiality. James hit partiality big in chapter 2. If your heart is prone to showing partiality based upon any outward appearance, demonic, unspiritual, not from above. I don't even know if the, the kids are saying YOLO anymore, but that is, I haven't heard of much more demonic than that one. Literally, you only live once. What? Implied, live how you want now. Go for it. You only got one life to live. Choose your truth. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Or, I think there can be some more sinister ones for us inside the Christian camp. Christian, be careful. You'll be irrelevant if you don't fill in the blank. You'll be irrelevant if you don't watch this or know what's going on with that or conform in this way or affirm or use pronouns or you fill in the blank. You don't want to be canceled. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Oh, there's so many. I was in the, the fitness world for a, a long time. Personal training, CrossFit coaching. Uh, talk about a bunch of dumb unspiritual, uh, earthly and demonic wisdoms. This was my favorite. And, and don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Work out, right? Okay, I'm, I'm exercise, eat healthy. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but this is my favorite. Don't let anybody get in the way of your health goals. <laughs> Let's think about it for a second. 
I got to go to the gym. Oh, Isaac, I'm sorry. You have a fever? Pink eye today? Get out of my way. Health goals. Like, that was just one. It was not, was not my notes. I'm sorry. That, oh, that's always what I riff on. But I, I, I can punch at the fitness industry so well. All of the, 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 the nutrition store, GNCs, if they're even alive anymore, uh, your protein shakes, all these things. Somebody's labeled on it that looks a certain way, and it's telling you, buy this, and you could look this way. It's an earthly wisdom. Another one of my favorite ones. This is like your Hallmark meme. Cut toxic people out of your life. If you truly did it, no one would be in your life. Cut unhelpful people out of your life. Put yourself first. I don't know why I'm talking in some macho voice. <laughs> and I get it. I have cut someone out of my life because it was a danger to, I, I get it. There's, there's a place for that sometimes. But those are all just worldly wisdom. It's like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. And then you study Jesus. Oh, wait. He went to the toxic people. Friends, we've got to take all of the, the world, all the whisperings of our age, all of the isms, all of the ologies, all of the Hallmark meme type things, all of the, the fitness industry and the ads on your phone and, and what the mall is preaching to you about what the good life is and submit it to the scriptures, submit it to the king. Because we're from a different place and we're headed to a different place. And I didn't say it was easy again. I did not say it was easy. That's why we need others. It's not the way of the kingdom. Oh, let's, let's speed up. Number, uh, third. Verses 17 and 18 then tell us that this wisdom that does come from above is a received wisdom. And it's marked by fruits of the Spirit. So, let me think here. I started off by saying my main point is that James is telling us that God's people are marked by, and we should pursue and know and embody God's wisdom which comes from above. And yet the very definition of something coming from above tells us that the wisdom that I'm preaching to you, the wisdom of knowing God, being in relationship with God, and then living it out in all of your facets of life is actually something you can't do. Talk about just great preaching here, Taylor. This is, this is really going well. You've held all of this out to us and now you can't do it? That's exactly right. Because wisdom that we're speaking of comes from above. It has to be given to you. It's received. Friends, the implication of this is profound because in James's holistic view of wisdom here that's marked by meekness, is none other than knowing God, living in relationship with him, and letting that influence all areas of your life. What that means is, friends, if you are in Christ today, you're trusting in, in him alone for salvation, as imperfectly as that might be, somebody else did that to you. God did. Chapter one tells us that you were brought forth, born again by a word from above. Of his own will, he brought you forth by the word of truth. If you're a Christian following Jesus, seeking the wisdom that comes from above, you were brought to life by somebody else, namely the Spirit of God. 
You owe it all to him. And now, just like that, the rest of our lives should be marked by a wisdom from above, and it's received. You are to pursue it. You are to know it. And you are to embody it. But it's upside down from what our world thinks. And you have to know the Lord to get it. I have four brief applications, but I'm just going to give you two because I've hit a couple of them already. This received wisdom that is from above, friends, is primarily received. Right here. The store or the stockpile where we learn about Jesus and we learn about the wisdom that is from above is the holy scriptures that God has given us. Brothers and sisters of New City, know your Bible. Devour the word of God. Memorize it. Think about it. Dwell on it. Study it because there is the wisdom. Why? Because here is where Jesus is found. The reading of scripture and the, and the studying it and the memorizing is simply posturing ourselves under it so we can know Jesus because it is through his word that the word Jesus is known. Or to quote Pastor John Piper, when all of your favorite preachers are gone and all of their books forgotten, you will have your Bible. Master it. Master it. And lastly, as we conclude, James started his letter with this. What do we do with this wisdom that is from above? That is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. Friends, ask. Ask. The letter of James opened in verse five of chapter one with this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Friends, that's good news. Wisdom, the wisdom of God in scripture is knowing the Lord and having a relationship with him and we seek to live it out in all of our lives and all the ways in which we're not sure how to live it out in our lives. Not sure about this one. This is a gray area. This one's not black and white. I don't know about this one. What to choose, where to go. Ask. He says, ask and I will give it to you. He tells us to ask. Ask God for help. Oh, there's two other good ones, but you're going to have to just come to second service if you want those. <laughs> Gandalf was right. All those who took the ring or even held it for a season of time are corrupted. The power of this age, the wisdoms of this world, corrupt if we're not careful. It's a slow drift and a slow corruption over time when we're just swimming with all the other fishies. And we're not talking about just a balance. It's like I need to balance the ring of power with some goodness. We're not on a spectrum here. We're not, a, we're not at a scale. We don't need to balance worldly ways with God's thoughts. We need a different wisdom from a different place 
that comes to us from a different person, and his name is Jesus. As chapter one of James also said, this is where I'll conclude, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You haven't done the wisdom of God perfectly. I have not done the wisdom of God perfectly. And we actually cannot perfectly embody the wisdom that is from above, that comes from the Father of lights. But that doesn't change the fact that this is a genuine call for us. This is a genuine call on our lives to know Jesus by knowing the scriptures and then living Jesus and his scriptures out in every facet of life. But ultimately, this is seen, friends, in Jesus himself. Every good gift, including wisdom, comes from above. But what is the best gift that above has ever given us? His son. Jesus the Lord. The son of God sent to earth by God the Father to save sinners like us who quickly drift toward worldly wisdom, worldly systems, isms, ologies, ways of thinking, worldly ways. The Father of lights redeems us, friends, a sinful humanity through the greatest gift, his Son. Given, broken, crushed, buried, risen, ascended, reigning in heaven, and that's where the wisdom comes from, from Jesus who is in glory, eager to give you more of himself if you would ask. And if you struggle with believing that, look at the table. It's the table of God's wisdom. What a great spot to come to Jesus and ask for wisdom. Whether you're just running low on Jesus' fuel or actually are facing a tough decision and I need wisdom on this, ask Jesus at the table. Friends, the way we do this is we say that the table is for any Christian, anyone who is trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, as imperfectly as you are, but genuinely following the Lord. This is open for you. You can come to the table, you'll, go, you'll exit the rows this way, go to the back of the room and receive bread, symbolizing his body given for you, and either red wine or white grape juice, symbolizing his blood shed for you. The wisdom of God in two elements. And while you're meeting with the Lord now, ask him for wisdom if in fact you are facing a decision or just need more of him in your life. Let me pray for us and we'll go to the table. Lord God, thank you for your goodness, your grace. You are kind. I pray that you would help us, your sons and daughters of New City, be marked by this wisdom from above. Let us slay any bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in our own hearts. By your spirit, Lord, help us recognize any of the worldly wisdoms that we have bought into and that we, like James, just have to part ways a little bit from our world. Jesus, ultimately give us more of yourself. You told us that like a good father when his son is hungry, doesn't give him a rock or a scorpion to eat, but when we ask you, you give us more of your Holy Spirit. So I ask that you would do that now as we come to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.